change is the only constant in every aspect of our lives, be it how we work, how we live, how we learn. It forces us to make the right decisions without the choice of looking back at history and conventions to know what's right. I am Vikram Baskaran, and this is Chargebee's Champions of Change podcast, where we talk to changemakers who've walked before us, built businesses on first principles, and unearth their tips and tricks to identify change and turn that into opportunity. Remember, you're just one decision away from being a change maker. Thank you guys for joining me today. Today we have with us Peplaya, voted number one influential conversion rate optimization expert in the world. Pep is someone who finds an opportunity and goes for it. He founded CXL in 2011, which brings advanced level marketing training to build the next generation of top marketers. While working for CXL, he realized that there was no service that provided insight into marketing copy to improve conversion rates. And so he went for that opportunity and started Winter that filled that need. As a serial entrepreneur and one of the top conversion rate optimization specialists in the world, he's worked with hundreds of companies across the world to improve how their customers viewed. And so I'm super excited uh, to be speaking with you today, Pep, and uh, welcome you to the show. It is my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. So, Pep, uh, one of the first questions I wanted to start with is uh, people see you as someone who's started and raised three successful businesses and as a world leader in conversion rate optimization. So what is it that brought you here? What prompted this entrepreneurial journey for you? How people become entrepreneurs? Well, I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm an ex- accidental entrepreneur. Before I started CXL, I was a, a freelancer or digital nomad, if you will, uh, backpacking the world and then earning money doing uh, PPC, SEO consulting, things like this. And I became an entrepreneur because I frankly couldn't find a job. That's uh, that's an interesting, interesting answer, especially for someone that, uh, you know, I think I think every marketer in the digital world today would be looking up to in terms of conversion rate optimization strategies, in terms of the thought processes. But I want to go before before we go into the weeds of, you know, what exactly you do about CXL, I want to go into a broader philosophy around marketing, right? So there's the general perception that there are two kinds of marketers. There's this creative kind of a marketer that lives and breathes in a document, uh, is amazing with content and copy. And then there's this data-driven kind of a marketer who's more of a spreadsheets guy. And of course, a good marketer shouldn't completely be tilted towards any of these axes. They should be somewhere in the middle. But where do you think your ideal marketer would be? And where would you place yourself? I'm a firm believer of the concept of a T-shaped marketer. So you know quite a bit about all aspects of marketing. You know you know how organic search works and how PPC works and landing page optimization and analytics and PR and copy and all these things that go into it. So you need to know, you know, you need to be at least mediocre at all of these things, understand how the machine works. And then you have deep expertise in a few areas. So... And there's no, there's no right or wrong answer. Like, what are you? What is your? One of those, um, the deep, deep poles of the T, uh, based really on uh, on your interest. As for me, this has changed over the years. So I used to be in conversion optimization, but I really haven't been CRO practitioner since 2016. So in 2016, I stopped doing consulting, and we uh, the agency was spun off into a separate company. And so I started to grow this e-learning company. And now, since the last spring, spring of 2020, 
I've been growing winter. So really, I've been in the executive CEO role predominantly in this in this last five years or so. What are my strongest suits? Well, I mean, conversion optimization, digital analytics, definitely in there, uh, one of my uh, top suits. Also, I'm a pretty good copywriter. And now, in these last few years, I've been really developing my skills in, in strategy, brand, go-to-market, things like that. Beautiful. Now, coming into, I, I, I love that uh, you closed that with go-to-market, because my next question I was thinking about was, about the beginning of your go-to-market, I think when uh, CXL started, it started as a blog post that was soon able to gain about 100,000 reads a month within the first year of its inception. And like, what goes into that? If you, if you had to tear that apart today and go into you know, what makes something like that happen, what's the DNA of a post of that sort? How could, how could you help our listeners today? Back then, when I started CXL as a blog, and, it, and a year later, into an, uh, turn, it turned into, uh, grew into an agency. I was not very strategic about it. In fact, I mean, I wanted to start a marketing blog, but already back then, the competition was pretty nuts. There's a lot of marketing blogs out there. And I was like, the hell can I add to this conversation here? Like, what can I say that hasn't been already said, which I think is even more pronounced today, uh, where the competition is just crazy, crazy, crazy. So back then, I just did SEO. Re- I knew I need- had to niche down and I did SEO research into various let's say, niches or subcategories of marketing. And then look, what is the blog competition like in there? And so conversion optimization was one of those areas. And I saw, hey, there's an opening here because there, there weren't that many blogs on conversion optimization, um, maybe five or six, uh, which was you know, very little. And the content was quite mediocre. So strategy is where you play and how you're going to win it. That's strategy. And so... Then I decided I'm going to play in this space of conversion optimization, and I'm going to win by writing better content. And so I had very objective criteria, very well-defined what better looks like, and I just started executing on it. Because I had no money, I couldn't. my, my go-to-market strategy was all inbound, so basically content marketing, a little bit of social media, but mainly blogging. And I wrote like my life depended on it. And built my whole company on inbound marketing. Because also, since I was consulting, building an, a consulting company, consulting uh, is being in the business of expertise and how do people hire you to do a job, which is like help us with, I don't know, grow our sales or whatever it is. And so you need to constantly demonstrate that you're the right person, company for the job. And how do you do that? By telling or showing everybody what you know. And content is just an amazing medium for that. Moving into strategy then, right? So be it uh, winter or CXL. Now, there's, there's one part of it in that it's, it, you know, you started both of these as super niche areas uh, and then you specialized in it. That's undeniably true. But there's also this other part of all of these have, you know, very quickly become huge industry requirements. Like today, if you are an inbound driven organization and you do not have a conversion rate optimization focus, you're clearly doing something wrong. So was, was, this, was this starting out in what could clearly become a huge market trend? Was this a conscious choice? Like, I'd, I'd love to learn what strategy actually went behind the strategy. Well, with conversion optimization and, and consulting, as I said, really, it was me figuring out an opportunity in the market. And 
I back then I just didn't know. And now in retrospect, I and the, and the whole company CXL played a huge role in growing the emerging category of conversion optimization. I was not the category creator. People before me had already, you know, started to play there. But in category creation, that is a critical component is that there are other players in there and they're all doing the good job of evangelizing and what it is and why you need it. And it's basically evangelizing that there's a new strategy you need to grow. You know, just getting more traffic is not cutting it. You need there's something else. And so that's that's conversion optimization. So that was um, kind of also lucky that I, I just started CXL in this space that was already growing. The, the, the category, the market was growing. And uh, it wasn't really a deliberate choice back then. I was quite naive about it. So the wisdom came came later. Uh, and now the agency, our, our agency now, it's called Spiro. Uh, we spun it off into a separate brand and CXL is an e-learning company. So the agency is still dedicated focus on conversion optimization, but I guess now moving more up market, we position it is as um, uh, managed experimentation programs. So if a company runs an in-house experimentation program, we come and help you do that. It's program management for experimentation. Now, CXL, uh, we started as an e-learning company as, hey, here's conversion optimization training. But what we learned was that this pond is too small so if we only remained as a CRO training provider, so here are some courses on conversion optimization, this company will have, there's a, there's a global maxima that is not very you know, tall. So we're, we're limiting the potential of this company because the category is not growing fast enough so there would be a huge business opportunity. Or whether that's good or bad really depends on your personal goals, like how much is enough really. You know, this, all, all of these companies are bootstrapped, so I don't have any investors breathing down my neck looking for, my, you know, outsized returns. So that was not an issue. But the more you eat, the hungrier you get. And so with CXL, what we did was classic from the strategy perspective. It's like you become the king of a small category. So we became the kings of CRO. Conversion optimization and CXL became synonymous. Like we're just ruling the space. We have all the traffic, all the education, all the respect, and now it's time to move out. So what we've been doing in, in the last probably three years or so is we've been expanding out. So CXL, actually today, conversion optimization training is maybe only 30% of our revenues. So 70% is all kinds of data-driven marketing, including you know traffic and acquisition, growth marketing, all these things that go in there. So we're really going now for the whole digital marketing training. Uh, which is a bigger space. And with Winter, same thing. Like we started as, there's an opening in the market as a feature-based business, basically. There's a, there's a single feature, one thing that we do, which for, for us was telling how the people you're trying to sell to, how they react to the copy or the messaging on your website. Do they like it? Are they leaning in? Like, oh, yes, tell me more. What are, are they rolling their eyes? Like, if I don't care about this. So copy is by far the most influential part of the conversion equations. You know, remove all the words from a website, then you don't convert a single customer anymore in overwhelming mo most categories. There might be some heavy, heavy design categories where that's not the case. But in most categories, it's, it's uh, certainly the case. And it's kind of crazy that if words make us money, but we can't measure how good are the words. You know, so that's the, that's, the, that's the use case we started to solve. And I wouldn't think it's, it's a small business because every website has words, you know. So in that sense, it's big, but it's monofunctional. But now, also using 
basically classic strategies like you gain a foothold, a toehold in a space. Uh, you occupy a job to be done in somebody's mind. So in most, in like if we look at SaaS, uh, sorry, marketing technology space, you know there are like nine thousand tools in there. So the competition in in every single category is crazy high, and each tool, each SaaS tool, occupies a, a job to be done in our mind. So like Hotjar is uh, heat maps for small business, HubSpot CRM for scaling companies, and so on and so. So there we have a thing we want to accomplish, and here's a tool that helps us do that. And most people already have a well developed box of these tools in their mind. So if, if I want to build a new A-B testing tool, it's very hard to enter somebody's mind because they already have, you know, VWO and Optimizely and Google Optimize in there. So if, I, if my tool is no different than those A-B testing tools, you just can't break in. So that, uh, that box is called the consideration set. It's very hard to break into the consideration set. It's very hard to build a business unless you build a new box, a new job to be done box which is what we did with Winters, the job to be done is I want to improve my copy or messaging to get more customers. Uh, what's the tool to do that? And that space is completely empty. We're actually you know, today still the only ones doing this thing. So gain a toehold there in that space. And now you can expand out as you get, gain more market awareness, penetration, you can start expanding out. So now we are building a whole suite of tools for go-to-market strategy. If you look at some of the very successful companies over the last five years, so Lattice, it's an HR software, now worth billions of dollars. They started, I think, like 2015, 2016. So five years going from zero to billions. And how did they do that? Go to market. First, a single feature, continuous performance reviews. Continuous performance reviews selling to HR. And HR was usually used to clunky enterprise software. Or like let's let's call it enterprise, like this very corporate, hard to use, boring, and they come in with this well-designed, self-serve, beautiful, and gain the toehold in that continuous performance review market. And then added, I think every six to twelve months they added new products until it became this whole suite of HR tools. And then moving up market and selling to all kinds of, uh, you know, the whole all HR organizations. So. Mimicking a similar strategy there. I like this. I like this uh, analogy of you know creating a new box and playing for a new box. And you've done both. You've 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 played in the boxes that already exist or were existing. You've also created a new box. But just 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 for our our listeners' clarity, when when you say creating a new box, a new box could sometimes be interpreted as solving an entirely new problem that probably doesn't exist today. But that's not what you're talking about. You're talking about figuring out a different perspective to solve a problem that exists for our customers. Probably they just they just haven't realized it yet. Is that there could be multiple ways. So disruption happens in many ways. If the alternative is non-consumption, meaning that there's nothing, people are not doing anything. You're coming in here, here's a thing you can do. That could be a new box. So with winter message testing, I mean there are some roundabout ways how you can do that. But it's all inconvenient. You need to be really motivated to do this. And 99% are not doing anything. Also, when I recently talked to uh, Patrick Campbell from ProfitWell, which is a subscription analytics company, so for measure your ARR and all that stuff, he said his market biggest market opportunity still is non-consumption because most uh, subscription companies are not measuring anything. You know, like they're, they're not using a tool. So non-consumption is definitely uh, 
primed to build a new new box, but it also can be a new type of uh, segment. So basically, a, a segment of a market that was previously underserved, or they didn't have enough access to it, or the tools were not good enough. So maybe the, like there are certain tools that are really good for the enterprise, and you can't build it for something for for small business. So Hotjar, which is uh, this uh, mouse tracking tool, heat maps and the scroll maps and all that stuff, when they entered the market, they brought great design and a huge amount of features at an SMB cost, uh, which was previously only available to bigger companies. And they, they made it accessible and they, they this heat maps for SMBs, even though there were some players in there already, because they were just uh, improving, adding so much more value. They really quickly became number one in that box. So it could be going for a particular market segment. Could be that it's a, it's a new uh, new use case that you know there's previously there was nothing. But there, there can be many other ways. Like differentiation is a long uh, in depth topic. I agree. So, but you've you've scaled uh, your businesses. Of course, you've scaled them first off, but you've scaled them at an incredible pace. And in your particular cases, you've you've had examples where you've both built from scratch as well as gained market share in, in in existing markets, and you've been able to imprint your the value of your products in the in, in the minds of your customers. So, like, what goes into that process? How do you actually go about you know whether it's displacing or whether it's sitting in your customers' minds as this is the product that I need to do this particular job in my life. Is there a process that 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 goes behind it in your head? Well, Mark, awareness building. So it's like, how can you get the word out? And the easiest way to go about it is you have a lot of money. You know, there's nothing like money to buy awareness. If you look at marketing theory and uh, people who have studied this data, so these are either it's Byron Sharp. Uh, or uh, been in fields in the UK, studied these things. Awareness, market penetration is the most important part of marketing. And as a goal, a goal for marketers, top goal for marketers is to be get inside that limited consideration set of users. So, in in inside of the, your house, in your business, uh, you need to really get really clear on your positioning. So, which particular problem do we solve for which well defined market segment. So that's your positioning. And then you need really well-crafted messaging. And I like to call it high-stakes messaging. So if you spend all that money and put in all this effort to bring somebody finally to your website or to your landing page or whatever, uh, first they get exposed to you for the first time. Then if your messaging, if your copy falls flat, they don't care about what you say. It's boring. Then you've wasted all this effort. So like like I like to say homepages of companies is where Good strategy goes to die. In the boardroom, companies might have excellent ideas about their positioning and the strategy and all the things. And then they write really boring, lame, jargony copy on their website. So you need to have those things in order first. So your, your positioning, that's like a strategic part. Your, your, also your brand identity, what are we about? Which segment do we serve? And then you have your high-stakes messaging. Then you want to build awareness. So of course, strategy is, you know, where do we play and how can we win it? Uh, so what can you do? So you need to really your go-to-market motion, whether it's sales-led or it's marketing-led or it's product-led. All this depends on your product, also the founder's strengths, the team, what are their skill sets. No, no one right answer there. We do know that today, uh, product-led growth is, is having a, a, a moment. 
you know, and sales led momentum is kind of like going down. People are like, nobody wants to be bombarded by SDRs, even though we look at like Fortune 500, most companies in there are sales led B2B companies, overwhelming majority. And awareness building. So if, if you look at, let's take a, a very mature category, which is project management tools, you know, like Asana and has been around forever and all this, this like, if you go to G2 or, or, or uh, you know, Captera and look at what, who's in there, it's like, it's insane how many companies out there yeah, or in there, really. And so Monday.com came also maybe five, six years ago when they launched and pretty much they bought their way into people's consideration set. Because they already had Trello and, you know, uh, uh, Basecamp and, and whatever tools in there. It depends who you are. And then Monday.com just spent the money. At some point, it looked like they bought up the whole YouTube ad inventory. It looked like you can't, couldn't escape them. And also, you know, ad creative, if you, if you go on a, are going to invest all that money in building awareness, you cannot just say, hey, need some project management. Here's Monday.com. You know, that's lame. That, that would be wasting that money for the most part. So also really good creative, really good creative. Uh, creative is, uh, is a massive boost for, you know, returns on this stuff. And ob obviously the product needs to deliver as well. So especially in B2B, word of mouth is just massive. Uh, word of mouth uh, or, or influencer marketing in the sense of not like paid gigs, but like facilitating word of mouth, you know, like enabling this kind of like, yeah, let's, let's call it enabling people spread the good word about you and then giving them a, a little nudge. It only works if the product is actually really good. So you, you do need a really good product. And if you have innovation, your product is innovative. It enables either enables you to do new things that people weren't able to do before, or it makes a certain product category accessible to people who weren't able to benefit from before. That grounds for massive acceleration, massive word of mouth, because people will, you stand out because you're different. I'll give you two examples here. So dating apps, massively mature category already in 2010, like Match.com, Plenty of Fish, all, that, all, this, all those uh, big companies. So Tinder came about and they innovated what a dating app looks like with their swipe left, swipe right UX. People instantly loved it. They uh, had also an innovative point of view where, well, actually your personality doesn't matter. It's only what you look like, right? Kind of controversial, but like really out of entering a very competitive market really took off. Also instant fast followers like Bumble and uh, Hinge copied them like identical products at least in the beginning and also grew big because like the innovation was so desirable by their core demographically like young people uh so that's just an example of, of how innovation really spread the word uh, and and raised awareness that these tools exist or let's look at uh, more conservative categories like cars so tesla right uh, well other car companies are spending billions and billions of dollars Tesla has spent the zero thus far because what it's doing is so innovative that people want to talk about it. Electric cars are coming, right? And this, is, this has been going on for a long time. In fact, uh, the traditional car companies gave Tesla kind of like a 10-year head start where it was the category of one. It was the only Tesla plane in that category. And so and they became number one in the category. Now, multiple electric cars exist. Tesla still maintains innovation advantage. Longer range battery, better AI tech, all those things. Of course, now every single car maker is coming for that piece of the pie. So it is my prediction 
But in a couple of years, you know, two, three, maybe four years, Tesla's innovation advantage will cease to exist because everybody will catch up. They have a lot. Toyota has a lot of money and everybody else has a lot of money. And Tesla, too, will start competing on brand, you know, just like there's no differentiation between a Mercedes, Audi or BMW. It's really a brand difference. You know, otherwise, it's all good cars. Same thing will happen to Tesla is my prediction. And so you, you have to balance this money and innovation, really. It's like how you grow, gain awareness and get to the top of the job to be uh, jobs to be done box. Beautiful. I love how you put that. So, uh, and and I I love how it comes down to a mix of money, but mainly creatives. And it always comes down to a good product because a good product is what is going to drive word of mouth. And today, there's nothing that's really going to be able to beat that. But I think the the creative and the product part also tie very closely to what Winter does, which is helping brands in their messaging, right? And when it comes to messaging, of course, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. And if you had winter maybe five six years ago what what would have changed what would what would you have done differently if you had winter say 10 years ago five years ago well just be much bigger right now i think uh, it's it's really uh when i like look back at my life and like where what are my biggest regrets and it's it's always been when i have been too slow when i hesitate when i took my time and that's that's been costly so this idea for, for winter, I had been mulling in my you know mind for a while, but I just didn't jump on it right away because I already had a company. Like, how many, how many businesses can one person start? So, and same with CXL. So, CXL right now, you know, which is an e-learning company, operates in a extreme under conditions of extreme competition. It's a classic red ocean. The barriers of entry are low. Everybody can build their own online course. Everybody has access to a fantastic camera in their pocket. If you know some stuff, you can film a video course today, right now. We can start now. And so we are building a new product inside CXL, which is a new take on new learning and like going uh, after a blue ocean. It's called CXL Playbooks. Now, again, I had been sitting on that idea for a while, a few years already. Now we're now it's in private beta. It's, it's things are moving, but those are, those are my re- regrets. How I built the company and how I went about it, I don't think anything would change because it, it is an iterative, you know, your classic build, measure, learn type of cycle. Uh, you, uh, you launch with certain business assumptions based on your early research that you've done. But, you know, <laughs> as they say, nothing, uh, you know, everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face. So certainly we got punched in the face early on, uh, had to change things, uh, pivot behind the scenes, product changes, we changed the target market, even change the name of the brand. But yeah, otherwise, you know, wouldn't change a thing. Lovely. I, I, I think I think it takes a lot of bravery to say, hey, you know what? Yeah, I probably wouldn't change a lot of the fundamentals. But that's 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 likely true. Uh, and that's that's amazing. Now you are an aspirational person for marketers, for budding marketers everywhere. And so what's one advice you'd give an early stage marketer early in their career in terms of copy, in terms of data? in terms of customer obsession, and in terms of optimization. It's okay, you can go one by one, I'll, 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 I'll spin it out to you. Mm-hmm. Well, in terms of business aspiration, I'm going to say just be more ambitious. And it's very hard to be um, super ambitious if you're uncertain, if you're not confident in yourself. Because again, the more success you get, the more confident you get. And then you know your, your goals get bigger. So in a way, 
it's a, it's a hard problem when you're when you're early in your career and it's like, hey, don't think about becoming the biggest company in your hometown. Think about you know taking over the world. So one one trick that I would recommend there is that hey, you want to be surrounded by people that have ambitious goals and they're going after them. And you might not have access to these people in your actual you know real life. You know, in fact, you might have some people that are bringing you down. And then you know, I had this. When I first became an entrepreneur, my, I had this aunt who, who when, when she heard, uh, heard that uh, I, I started my own business, she said, no, don't even try. Nobody in our family has ever gotten rich, so why bother trying? You know, They're very motivational. Are we related? I have that aunt too. <laughs> I guess we all do. <laughs> and so what I, a good trick is like the magic of social media. So on, on Twitter or also LinkedIn, but like those are like the two business social networks. So on Twitter, you can unfollow everybody and only follow people that are positive, can do, will do, going after my dreams type of people. And so suddenly you're surrounded by these voices who only talk about going after opportunities. And I've created that for myself. When I log into Twitter, I'm like, hey, I'm in this space where everybody is like kicking ass and building businesses and everything. It's inevitable that everybody will be a millionaire you know, after after a while because like everybody's busting, you know, like just working hard. So you can create that, and that fuels your ambition. Also, great if you have those people around you in in real life or like physical world. In social media, you can absolutely make that happen. You don't even need to know these people. So that's one. In terms of messaging, copywriting, and optimization, my piece of advice is: mediocrity is extremely competitive. Most people out there are very mediocre at what they do. There's always room at the top, which is like being the very best, because very few are ready to put in the effort required to become the very best at what they do. But once you become the very best, you know, the quality of your life will change dramatically. First of all, ballers want to be associated with other ballers. So you will get gain access to all these other top people who will further bring you bring you up. That's one thing. If you're the best, everybody wants to hire you for the to do work for them, to hire bring, you know, whether if you're if you're a service provider, they want to hire your uh, your business uh, or go, you know, go work at that company if they know about you. If the wow, this guy is amazing or this this girl is amazing. And you can charge whatever you want. Basically it's also it comes with monetary rewards. Of course, this requires a lot of uh, sustained effort and action over many, 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 many years. And I think it, the, you also need to have just actual sincere curiosity about these things. You can't force yourself to become an analytics guru if, if you don't sincerely love analytics and data. So find, find something that you actually have like intrinsic curiosity about and then just go all in and don't measure your success in terms of like year over year but like have a you know in five years i'll be there when i started cxl i mean i knew some stuff about conversion optimization but i made a goal that i'm going to be the best in the world so I read every book and there weren't that many around i read you know i met all the ballers in the industry and there, there weren't that many around i had mentors and so on and it was mainly fueled by my ambition and curiosity and also carefully cultivating the brand that I'm not just knowing a lot about CRO in secret in my basement over here, but like also telling the world what I know. So, and then later the recognition by peers and the you know the marketing world at large also came that people recognize, oh, wow, this guy 
you know, he knows what he's talking about. So set your intention there is my advice. I love that. And that, uh, that brings us to the close of our uh, session, Pepe. It was an absolute pleasure and so much learning. Thank you so much for your time uh, with us today. And I'm sure our, our listeners would have enjoyed uh, the session with us today as well. So thank you so much for joining us again. Thank you very much. <laughs>